0: I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to help you today. And God's going to teach you something today from His Word. But you're going to have to practice it for it to work in your life. And this will be one of those things that just really helps you in your day-to-day life. Now, dear ones, getting saved won't change your life day-to-day. Getting saved will change your eternity. Letting Jesus teach you how to live will change your day-to-day life. He said it like this in Matthew 16. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. I'll teach you the things you need to know to build a great life. Because Jesus came that you might have abundant life. But to have a great life, you've got to learn the things that work. And then you've got to incorporate them into your life. And this is one of them. And you're going to see something tremendous today. We're going to talk about the gift that keeps on giving today. You'll see why it keeps on giving in a little bit. God has given you a tremendous gift. Every person's got one. And he gave you this gift so you could learn how to use it to make your life wonderful, to enjoy your life, to have a pleasant life. This gift alters your life if you use it rightly. But now listen to what I'm fixing to say. Satan steals this gift from you, perverts it to cripple you and bring pain into your life and to ruin your life. And he is doing a bang-up job with this gift today. He's destroying our nation with this one gift. And the gift I'm speaking of is a gift called memory. And God gave you something called memory. You have the capacity to remember things in the past. And he gave you memory to bless your life and make it wonderful. And if you'll learn how to use it right, it'll be one of the sweetest things in all the world to you. But if you let the enemy steal this gift and pervert it, you will become a bitter angry dark person and he's doing that today in our land I I love to read uh, there's a a brilliant neuroscientist named Dr. Caroline Leaf I love to read behind her, read her books Uh, she's a believer and uh, she teaches that science is just now catching up with the Bible which that's true and uh, Dr. Leaf and others teach that uh, you have something called a memory everything you've ever experienced in your life is in that memory now Dr. Leaf said this and I've heard this before There will never be a supercomputer made that can match the one God put between your ears. The brain he gave you is beyond brilliant. We have yet to fathom what it can do. But in that brain is cataloged memory and everything you have ever experienced, everything you've ever seen, everything everybody's ever done to you, everything you've ever even smelled is cataloged in there somehow. And that's the brilliance of God to put that in there. You say, well, Brother Brian, I have things I can't remember. Well, that means you're 70. All of us have things. No, it, it's in there. The brain is divided into two groups. The memory is divided into two groups, the conscious and the subconscious. Everything you've ever seen is in there. Uh, and we have the conscious is what you can reach into at will and pull out and say, I remember that. The subconscious is what you can't. That's why things will happen to people and they'll recoil. I don't know why I acted like that. Well, there's something in there. In the past, that caused you to jump back like that or to, or to react the way that you did. Memory is one of God's great. the two great things he gave us in our mind. One is memory, the other is creativity. And he gave us both of those to be used to be blessed with. Now we're going to talk about memory this morning, how you need to learn to use it to, be a, to build a great life, how you need to protect yourself and not be destroyed with it. All right, we're going to look at something here. Uh, we're going to look at a man's relationship. You do understand, let me, I don't think I have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You do understand that life is just relationships. The car, that fancy car is going to rust and be on blocks one day. The house is going to burn. The money will be spent. Relationships. Life's all about relationships. And uh, relationships involve memories. Anybody here in a long-term relationship at all, like a family or a business or friendship? We've all got long-term relationships. Now, in every one of your long-term relationships, whether it's your marriage, friends, Have you ever had a relationship with somebody that was perfect? Uh, Are there bad things in the past in relationships? How many of you are, like if you're married, you've been married a few years or whatever. How many of you have had some rough spots in marriage? Amen. 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 Those people who say, we've never had a bump, just leave my church. (laughs) You make me sick. Every relationship has rough spots in it. But Ken, would you agree with this? Every relationship's got great times in it. That's right. Wonderful times back there. I don't want us to read, and this is not just this man talking. This is God. Remember, the Bible's God speaking to you. And he's looking back. He's had a relationship with these people. He started this church. They've been together for years and years. They've been through good times. They've been through bad times. And I want you to look at this man. Look in his memory. And he's writing this to these people about his memory. And I want you to read what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Look how he writes this. This is Paul writing to this church that he's been together with for years. Verse 3, he said this, I thank my God upon every what? Remembrance. He said, I'm looking back over our time together. I thank my God upon what? Every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer, I pray for you with such joy because of our relationship in the gospel. From the first day, and I said, "We've been together for years, and every time I think about you, it brings such joy in my life. I thank God that we're that we've had this relationship." Now I want to ask you a question: How many of you think that it had been a perfect relationship through the years? There's no such thing. Matter of fact, you can read the Bible and find out there were some bumps. But I want you to look inside this man's mind right here, and as he remembers back, he said, "I only thing I can remember is the good, and I thank God for e- every remembrance." I just want to praise God because of our relationship. And this man found the secret to use this gift of memory to bless his life with, and he blessed other people's lives with it. I want you to learn how to do this from scripture today. All right, let's learn this. Number one, before we talk about our memory, let's talk about the memory of God. How many believe my heavenly father has a memory? How many believe he can remember things? How many believe his memory goes way back? Dear ones, the Bible said, we shall all stand. This is Romans chapter 14. We shall all, all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in our bodies while we're on this earth. Well, if he can't remember everything, how can I give account to him? He's got to have a great memory (laughs) to review my life. How about 8 billion lives? That's a pretty good memory right there. I want you to learn something about God's memory. And I want you to learn the two sides to God's memory And I don't want you to ever forget what I'm fixing to show you. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. And in Hebrews, it talks about the memory of God and how he remembers things. I want you to turn to Hebrews 6 because I want you to see it in Scripture where he says this. Two verses in Hebrews, and they speak about the two sides of his memory, his great memory. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 10 says this. I want you to read this one verse. Hebrews 6, 10. God is not unjust to what? Forget. That means he can't forget. God is not unjust to forget your work, your labor of love, which you've shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Let's pause for a second. How many of you have ever done anything good to anybody? You need the gospel. <laughs> I mean, have, you ever, have you ever fixed breakfast for your children? Have you ever cooked for your family? Have you ever given a dollar to help anybody or feed somebody? Have you ever shown anybody any kindness, held a door? When a man, man in our church first came here, uh, his kidneys failed. He had to have a kidney. Another man in our church said, I'll give him one of mine. That's pretty good. That's big stuff right there. I don't mind giving you my billfold, but when you get inside of me, it's different. (laughs) All of us, everybody in here has done things for people that were good in the past. See how we're trained to look at the bad? Everybody's done good things, many good things. What does the Bible say right here? God is incapable of forgetting anything you have ever done kind to anybody. He can't forget it. He remembers it. Matter of fact, when the Bible talks about his kindness toward us one day at judgment... Matthew chapter 10 says this, I say unto you assuredly, whoever gave even a cup of cold water to a child in my name will by no means lose his reward. If you ever got up in the night and got water for your children, he's going to remind you of that one day. He he remembers everything you've ever done good. Matthew 25 speaks of standing before him one day and it says this, and they will stand before me and I will say to them, I was hungry. You fed me. I said, I, I don't remember doing that. Matter of fact, I never saw you. I talked to you a lot, but I never saw you. And then what's he going to say? As you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. He will never, like you go, you pay for the pack You go to pack food, he'll remind you of that one day. He can never forget anything you've ever done. In the, that same passage, it says this. I was a stranger. You welcomed me in. Every one of our greeters that stands at the door and wants, wants folks to feel welcome. Know you're loved here. He'll remind you of that one day. He he doesn't have the capacity. God is not unjust to forget. He can't forget anything you've ever done good. All right, so far so good. Let's look at the other side of his memory. Turn the page to Hebrews chapter 8. That's one side of his memory. He has a perfect memory of everything you've ever done to serve anybody, to help anybody, to show kindness to anybody. On the other side of his memory, Hebrews chapter 8, uh, Hebrews chapter 8 verse, let's put in about verse 12. This is the. Well, let's read verse 10. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. You know what that means? This is the way I will deal with people. This is the agreement I will make with humanity. Verse 12 says this, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Just pause right there. Has anybody here ever made a mistake? Amen. Now see, doesn't that teach you how religious you are right there? See how religiously brainwashed you've been. I said, has anybody here ever done anything good? And two people said, "Mm uh-huh. I said, you ever made a mistake? Hey, man, hey, hey, oh, up here, over here. That's religious nonsense. How many of you would just, this is not pride. How many of you would say that maybe you've done more good than you have bad on the planet? Two, great. Again, you need the gospel. I'm glad you're here today. (laughs) I just wanted to point out how religious we get sometimes. Let's read, Hebrews 8:10 to 8:12. "I will be merciful to their unrighteousness." Now watch these words. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will what? remember no more. One side of God's memory, he does not have the ability to forget anything you've ever done good. The other side of his memory, he has no recollection of anything you've ever done wrong. That's him looking back. Now that is conditional. The Bible says in 1 John 1:7, 1, if we will confess our sins, just come clean and say that it is, this is wrong, this is sin, I will forgive them of their unrighteousness and I will cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And I'll never remember it again. How would you like to serve a God that can never forget anything you've done good and in his mind you have never done anything wrong? He can erase that. That's good. That is a God who knows how to use his memory properly. Now, may I make a suggestion here, since that's how his memory works and how he uses it. Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God as dear children. How about if we were to imitate him and refuse to ever remember the evil and the pain, but never forget the good that we've seen in the past. That's the way memory is to be used. It's the way we're to be. We're to be blessed with it. Now, number two, number one, the memory of God. Number two, You have a free will concerning your memory. You get to choose. Now, there's a lot of things you can't choose. People can do a lot of things to you. Nobody can tell you what to think. You get to choose your thoughts. Every moment of your life, you can choose exactly what you want to think about. Now, it's a battle sometimes, but you get to choose your thoughts. He gave you free will to use with your memory, and you get to choose your thoughts. Now, let me say something. I know my counselors disagree with me. I know my whole culture thinks I'm crazy right now, but I'm going to speak God's Word to you. Your life is not what other people do to you. Your life is not your circumstances. Your life is the sum total of the decisions you make. Granted, people can do things to you. Bad things can happen to you, But if you will keep making the right decisions, you have a God who will tilt the field in your favor. Bad things can happen. We can be without. We can suffer. But ultimately, if you'll just make the right decisions, He will put the score on your favor, which puts life... I I like that. Guess why? I get to make my own decisions. Therefore, I get to chart my own course. Nobody can chart it for me. And our, our minds work that way. All right, I want you to look at the difference in life memory makes. We're going to look at two men. Both of these men were blessed tremendously by God. They were wealthy, they were healthy, they'd been blessed, and both of these men had suffered. Can I get a witness that just about everybody's life in here has had some good things? God's been good to you. But listen to me. We've all suffered. Everybody's got things in the past, some of us more than others, some of it we brought on ourselves. Some of it was inflicted on us by other people. Every life is checkered. You've got great things have happened to you in the past. God's been good to you. And you've had bad things that have happened. That's every life. Why is it that some people who have had some of the worst things happen to them glow in the dark? And other folks who've had a pretty cush life stink to high heaven. Let's look at this in Scripture. Two men. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. You can find the Chronicles, the Kings, the Samuels. If you see Genesis, you've gone too far. 2 Samuel 7. <clears throat> I want to teach you something about a great man. King David is probably the man that was closer to God than any man in world history. I believe he was the man that God blessed and did more for than any man in world history. He was a nobody. His own father said you'll never amount to anything, but God chose him, and he loved God. He was not a perfect man. matter of fact, he was a bad guy. We probably wouldn't let him preach in this church. But God loved this man and blessed him tremendously, and it had to do with his heart. It wasn't because he was a perfect man. It had to do with his heart. Matter of fact, in the Bible, God calls him the man after God's own heart. This man had such a tremendous heart. And I, want show, I want to show you one of the things about his life that made his life so great and blessed him so much. This is a place in his life where God has just raised him up. He he's brought a lot of junk on himself, but he has suffered unjustly. He was hunted like a dog for years by a jealous king that hated him. And he suffered terribly during those years. And God raised him up. He blessed him. He established him as the greatest. He's the greatest king on earth. Led the most powerful nation on earth. He just built himself a beautiful home. And the Bible said God had just given him rest from all of his enemies. Superior armies tried to whip him. And they found out he don't have the greatest tools, but he's got a great God on his side. And God has blessed the fire out of him. And I want you to watch what this man does. And this is just a picture of his heart and his life. On a quiet night, he leaves his house and he goes over to the church by himself, to the temple by himself, and he goes inside. Let's pick up in 2 Samuel 7, verse 18. 2 Samuel 7, 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said to the Lord, Who am I, O Lord God? What is my house that you have brought me this far? And you can go and read the rest of it. And he just sits before God and he said, You shouldn't have done this for me, but you have been good to me. I came from a poor family. I was a nobody and you have raised me up. And if you'll study this man's life, and there's a lot written because he wrote 75 of the 150 Psalms and they reflection Psalms. Let me tell you what you find in this man's life. You never hear him mention the past one time. You never hear him whine. You never hear him moan about the bad things. Everything he writes is just like this. He just says, you have been so good to me. I didn't deserve this. The Lord has raised me up. And over and over in his Psalms, he recounts, I was in despair, and God rescued me. And the only thing—and this is all memory—the only thing he can remember in the past. Now, this man had some bad things happen to him. He never focuses on it. All he focuses on the good things that have happened to me and how God has been good to me. That this is his, and this is why his life was. I'm convinced this is one of the reasons that God was so good to him was because he used memory to build a great life by reflecting rightly. Now, let's shift gears, turn a few pages to 2 Samuel chapter 16. 2 Samuel 16. Let's look at a guy named Shemaiah And God had blessed him tremendously too. He's rich, healthy. Uh, but he had something bad happen to him. He was a, a distant relative to the king and the king's name was Saul. And being a distant relative of the king, he got a government paycheck. You know, sort of that crooked mess. Not like it, not like it is now. And he got this paycheck. Well, when the king got replaced, he lost his free ride, lost his paycheck. And boy, he got angry about it. And he got bitter because the government wouldn't do like he thought they should. Sound familiar? And he lived in rage. And David replaced Saul. So he hated the new president, the new king. And he was so angry and so bitter. And one day, David, with his procession, came through this little town where this guy lived. And they've got, you know, when, when kings go through towns, I mean, they don't use Uber. Are you with me? It's usually a pretty big deal. You got your motorcade and all that. And this was a processional. I want you to look what this fellow did when the king came through town. 2 Samuel 16, verse 5. Now, when King David came to Barum, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shammai, son of Gera, Coming out from there, he came out cursing continuously as he came. He threw stones at David and all the people, the servants of David, of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand, on his left. Shimei said thus, when he came out, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. Rogue means worthless human being in the Hebrew. Verse 13, and as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw rocks at him and kicked up dust. Sort of reminds you of the protest going on now, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, this, this guy is so bitter and angry because something happened in his life he didn't like and it's possessed his life. And uh, not only has it possessed his life, it's blinded him, hadn't it? I'm having no, you shouldn't throw rocks at the king. A little bit after this, the king's uh, chief of staff, who was a little uh, Clint Eastwoodish type anyway, He said, why should this dead dog curse my king? Please let me go over and take his head off. He'd be careful cussing kings. uh, But let's learn from this. Learn from this. Man, they're they're just going through town. This guy's running along, kicking dirt, hollering, cussing him, calling him a worthless human being, throwing rocks at him. Having a great day. And his chief of staff said, shall I kill him? Listen to what David said. What? David said, I've got important things to do with. Don't even look over there. Let's learn from that. Listen, Valley Boy 29, 27 in his mama's basement isn't worthy of your time. Look the other way. Close the lid down. Get a life. Go outdoors and look at flowers. (laughs) I'd throw that in for free. (laughs) All right. Two men. Both had been blessed by God. Both had some bad things happen. You listen to what I'm fixing to say. One in memory chose to reject the pain and refuse the pain and focus only on the goodness of God that he'd been shown. And he had a great life because of that. One never thought one whit about the good things God had done for him. He lived his life obsessed looking back on the bad things that happened to him. And he became a bitter, angry, hateful old man. And this incident right here got him killed later on. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he uses memory to do it. People look in the past, and listen, everybody's got garbage back there. The question's not, do you have bad things happen to you? The question is, are you going to let it cripple you? All right, and and this is is, is the tragedy. This is just the pure tragedy. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say here. It's not about what happened to you. It's about the choices you make. And doing as your life, the Bible teaches this in Luke, excuse me, Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The lamp of the body is the eye, the eye. If your eye's good, your whole body is going to be full of light. If your eye's bad, your whole body is going to be full of darkness and you get to make the choice. Now, I don't know what you know about light and darkness in the Bible, but let me, let me help you here. That phrase full of darkness, not good. Darkness is not good. That phrase, full of light, that's good. Guess who gets to decide whether you're full of light or full of cr- darkness? <laughs> the lamp of the body is the eye. And it's not too much eyeball. It's talking about the focus of your life. What you choose to focus on determines whether you're full of light or full of darkness. I get to make the choice. What's our nation doing right now? We are obsessed with the darkness. And we're obsessed with the pain of the past and the wrong of the past. And we're suffering terribly from it. I get to make that decision. Now, question. And I, this is where me and my counselors part ways. <clears throat> I'm not trying to bring pain this one. I'm trying to help you. Can a person really forget the past? You must. You're not, not only can, you must, or it'll own your life. Now... I've had people say, I just just can't forget. Well, let me tell you what the Bible means by forget. It doesn't mean erase your memory banks. We can't do that. Forget means something else in the Bible. Why don't you turn me to Isaiah 43 and let's look at it. Isaiah chapter 43. This is where the Bible talks about the past. And in particular, the bad past. And what we're to do with it. Isaiah 43. I want you to look at what the Bible says here. Isaiah 43, 18. Let's hear what the Father would speak to us. Isaiah 43, 18. Now listen to what he says. Do not remember the former things. What's that tell me to do right there? If there's stuff back there that's painful and wounds you, do not look back there. Now listen to me. That cannot mean not to remember the good. Because the Bible is very clear about that. Let me quote to you Psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all the good things He's done for you. He's not going to tell you to forget this, not forget that. Do not forget the good things He's done for you. He forgave forgave your iniquities, He heals your diseases, He's redeemed your life from destruction, He's crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies, He's satisfied your mouth with good things. He's renewed your strength like the evil. What's he saying right there? Do not forget the good things God has done for you. What's forty three eighteen of Isaiah mean? Forget, as Philippians three thirteen, forgetting those things which are behind so we can reach forward to those things that are ahead. Your past will destroy your future if you don't get rid of the junk. Now, let's look at this. Again, Isaiah forty three eighteen. Do not remember the former things Now watch this, nor consider the things of old. There's what remembrance means right there. It's one thing to say I can't erase the memory banks. It is another thing to say, what is consider? That's when you choose to dwell on it, focus on it, stew over it. There's a big difference. I can't stop thoughts from coming into my head, but I can control what I dwell on. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. That forget doesn't mean erase memory banks. It means turn away from it. Do not dwell on it. Don't remember the former things. Do not consider. Don't live your life dwelling on the junk. Let this stuff go. Now I want to teach you something here. Let's read the next verse. Verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That don't mean nothing to me. I don't want no road in no wilderness. I got a road in front of my house. Come on, guys. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert means I'll do things for you that you don't think could happen. I'll do good things for you. But can I point something out to you? Does not, verse 19, follow verse 18? You know what that means? You can't see him do great things in the future until you quit dwelling on the past. You've got to quit considering the former things before he can do the new things. Again, let me quote it. I'm going to quote it again. Philippians 3, 13 forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things that are still ahead. You can't have that out there till you let go of that back there and clear it out. This is one of the great promises that our father uses. Listen, there was a lady years ago and she had some terrible, terrible things happen to her as a young girl that could have crippled her life. They should have crippled her life. And nobody would have complained if she'd spent her life as a bitter old woman but she recovered from it, and she had a great life. She was a nurse. Matter of fact, she started what we call today the Red Cross. Her name's Claire Barton. And she was being interviewed as an old woman, and the interviewer asked her this question said, that thing, do you you remember that stuff that happened to you way back there in childhood? And Ms. Barton said, I I don't remember that. And the lady said, you don't remember that? And Ms. Barton said this. I want you to listen to what she said. I distinctly remember choosing to forget it you got to make a decision. That's junk, and I'm done looking at it. And I'm going to quit staring at it. And I'm going to quit considering it and focusing on it. Now listen to me. I'm going to say it again. You've heard this before, but please know this. Satan uses past memories to destroy future lives. How many marriages have I dealt with and seen that had terrible things happen? Infidelity? Betrayal? And yet God got in there and somebody obeyed him and they have the most wonderful marriages today because they were able to get over the past. But how many marriages are ruined and will never be right again because somebody cannot forget? How many churches are like that? I've known churches that were dead as a rake, God's Spirit left them, they weren't helping anybody because somebody cannot get over the fact that somebody put flowers in the bed and that was my week. God have mercy. How many relationships are ruined because of back there? I'm telling you, this nation is going to be destroyed because we are fixated with past wrongs and cannot get over them. All right, let's talk about your life for a second. Anybody here ever made a mistake? Finally got an amen out of this crowd. I know what you're thinking. Yours were minor. Mine were devastating. I made big mistakes. This is one of the greatest, this is some of the best news you ever heard in your life. It's called the good news of the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got a past, and to be honest with you, mine's worse than most of yours. Maybe one or two of you in here, yours is worse than mine. Now, what does the Bible say? How many people do I know they can forgive other people, but they can't forgive themselves? They can show mercy to others, but they're, they're crippled. They can't even raise their heads up over their own junk in the past and it keeps cycling back around. I don't want you to listen to what the Bible teaches about my sins and my lawless deeds and my memory. Listen to this. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul wrote, this, uh, wrote, wrote 13 or 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Maybe the most effective believer that ever lived. I want you to listen to what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 2. Just listen to this. Open your hearts wide to us, O Corinthians. I have wronged no man. Excuse me. This man's telling these people, I want you to receive me as a minister. I want you to let me help you. I've never done anybody wrong. I have wronged no man. Pardon me. Is he lying? Yeah, he's lying. Well, sorry, shouldn't have said that. Let me take you back to Acts chapter 9 a few years before he wrote this. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. Paul, breathing murder and threats against the disciples of Jesus, obtained warrants, went into homes, dragging out men and women, putting them into prison, murdered them. A light came from heaven. He fell to the ground. And the light shined on him and he said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. This man, before he became a believer, he hated God so much. He hated God's people. He would drag women out of their homes, away from their children, throw them in prison just for loving Jesus. Put them to death when the great martyr Stephen was stoned. Guess who held the coach and cheered while they killed him? This man had wronged a lot of people. I would dare say he'd done more wrong than any of you have then how can he say in 2 Corinthians 7, 2, how can he say, receive me? I have wronged no man. How could he say that? You know, the Bible's true. This is a man who'd experienced the grace of God. And he had learned, even for me, I get to forget the things that are behind me. And I'm going to act like God and my sins and my lawless deeds, I will remember no more. There was, how many of you need to have the past purged by the blood of Jesus? in your memory, and be able to say, that was bad, I did it. I may not be able to erase the memory banks, but it will cause me pain no more. It will cause me to drop my head no more. I will stumble no more over this. Your father has forgotten it. You're free to forget it. Your enemy may never forget it. Tell him to go back to hell with his video camera. You're busy right now. That's why it talks about fighting the good fight of faith. And you can clear your past. And dear ones, this, listen, this is a daily choice every day. And there is a battle. There's a mental battle. Guess where the battle's waged for our lives? It's not our hearts. Those have been captured. It's between your ears. The battle is in your head. That's why the mind is the battlefield. And your enemy loves to get in there. Let, let me make an announcement. The God who told you never to remember anymore will never bring stuff up to you that the blood of Jesus has covered. So it ain't him. Learn to tell by the smell when hell is close by. Let me me give you one more thing. God wants you to live like this. He wants to bless your life. Could you imagine what your life would be like if you never saw pain in the rearview mirror and all you could see was the blessing of God? Wouldn't that not bring a new sweetness and joy and lightness to your heart? Wouldn't that be great? Now listen to me. You need some help with this. And that's why the Bible talks about things he helps us with. They're called Ebenezer. How many of y'all got an Ebenezer, anybody here? I heard that first time I thought, Ebenezer Scrooge. That's what I thought first time. It's only Ebenezer I knew. Matter of fact, when I was younger in the Baptist church, we used to sing a hymn called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing your praise. Wonderful song. Well, the second line goes like this. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. We'd sing that. I had no idea what it means, but we'd sing it. <laughs> I Maybe mean, you know. You should know what you're singing. You, you might be singing something bad. What does it mean? I raise my Ebenezer hither by Thy help I've come. Don't look it up. I'll just quote it to you. In the Bible, in the First Samuel chapter seven, God's people were in trouble. And he stepped in and he worked a great miracle for them. And he saved them from their enemies and blessed them financially. And there is no doubt that God stepped in. He did something wonderful for them. And as they were celebrating the prophet Samuel, he said, before we leave, I'm going to do something. And the Bible said he took a large stone and he stood it up on end, and planted it beside the road and named it Ebenezer. That's where Ebenezer came from. Ebenezer means the Lord has helped me. And he said, from this time forward, every time you see this stone, I want you to remember what God has done for you. And all through the Bible, you see where stones were set up as what? Memory. Memory to help you remember. God was good to me right there. Look what God did for me right there. And there was, we need Ebenezer's in our lives. Uh, Joshua chapter 4, when the children of Israel needed one more miracle to get in the promised land, they got it. And that God parted the Jordan. And they got there and he said, now, and the prophet took 12 stones and stacked them up. And listen to what he said. Let's pause and we're going to stack these stones so that in the years to come when your children see these stones and they ask you, Daddy, what do these stones mean? You tell them, God worked a great miracle in our lives to get us where we are. Said so when you're going to the market with your kids, you're going somewhere and your kids see these stones and they say, Daddy, why do people stand in front of those rocks? Why do they Look like they're praying in front of those rocks. Why are their hands lifted up in front of those rocks? You tell your children, that is so we will remember how good God has been to us in the past. All through the Bible, he sits up what's called Ebenezer's, or stone markers or some kind of marker to remember what God has done for us. I saw this years ago and I've got them. I'm surrounded. I made a decision years ago. I'm going to obey God. Not that I'm spiritual. I just like enjoying my life. Okay, I'm a little bit spiritual. This is one of the greatest practices I ever put in my life to make up my mind. If it's dark, if it's painful, if it's wrong, it ain't staying in my memory. And I pray never to forget any good thing you've done for me and spend my time focusing on that. Let me show you some of my uh, Ebenezer. Boy, y'all got my picture. Put my... uh, There it is. Is that a dude or what? Just leave him up there a minute. Um... That sits on my desk all the time. I see it every day. It's been there for years. It's my Ebenezer. Uh, I, he's got his beer bottle in his hand there. Got beer bottles laying all over the place. Got his cigar in. Got the remote in his hand. I remember that boy's enjoying his life right there. I remember you want your kids to grow up and be like that right there. That's quality life, ain't it? Big gut. Got that wife-beater on. What? What is this? Just leave her up there. I'll leave him up there. What does a skeleton mean in the Bible? You're physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. The Valley of Bones. It's a picture of a man who's just, he's breathing, but he's dead. That's pretty pathetic life. Probably watching pornography too. Yep, probably pulls for Dale Earnhardt too. So that's pretty sucky life right there. And people ask me, because most of the stuff in my office is very fancy. They'll say, well, what is that right there? I tell my children, that was me. That's who I'd have been right there without Jesus. That was my life before Jesus came. That's where I'd be today had it not been for Him. That is an Ebenezer to remember that the Lord has brought us this far. You say, well, I I wasn't that pathetic. I'd have had a pretty good life. Listen, it don't matter if you go to hell the highway or the low way. Hell is hell. It don't matter. It don't matter. (laughs) It don't matter if you go into Lincoln or on skates. Hell is hell. I just, look at it, I just look at it and I'll just pause and say, you are good. God has been good to me. Yeah, I think y'all can take that down. They've been blessed enough. You need those things. My chair, I have a magic chair. Mr. Crotts gave it to me. You need to go see Mr. Crotts. They're called lazy boys. They work. And I, I sit in that chair. Right beside my chair all the time is a little fancy leather Picture binder, not a big one. I love pictures. I took pictures from, it starts with the day Katie and I met in college all the way through the years up to now. I've got my children in there. I've got things we did. I've got the good times we've had. And I love to just take that thing, just flip through it and look at the pictures. You know what that is? That is a, that is a memorial and an Ebenezer of how good God has been to me. And to remember the good things he's done for me. And I just enjoy watching through there. enjoy going through that thing. Uh, this right you This is my all-time favorite Ebenezer right here. This is not a rule book to me. This is the kindness of God to me. And I read this thing and I read in here how the Lord has redeemed you from the hand of the enemy and been good to you. That's why I love to read the Bible. It brings me great joy when I see the goodness of God. I I sing all the time. I I think it's better to sing than to think. (laughs) Amen? Amen? You don't enter his gates with thinking. You enter his gates with singing. I sing all the time. I get people ask, what's that song you're singing? I didn't realize I was singing. But I hate to tell you this. I'm not, being, I'm not being ugly. I'm just being old. I love hymns. I sing hymns most of the time. Uh, it's because I'm old. Hymns are old. We're, we, us old people hang out at Biscuitville. I like hymns. You know what hymns are? Hymns are Ebenezer's. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. It was his grace that brought us safe thus far. And, and hymns are just, are, and you know, songs that look back like that. They're just wonderful. God has been so good to me. I'm not going to waste five minutes of my life dwelling on any of the junk. I'm going to dwell on the good stuff. I'm going to do what the Bible says. And I'm going to bless the Lord who has been kind to me. And I'm going to forget not any of his benefits. And I'm going to live like that. Now, i want to quit by pointing something out to you. <clears throat> it's a discipline. There's a battle. You, you try to do this, you'll find it's a struggle. You'll find that there's something that keeps on to jam junk in your head. Your culture jams you with junk. This culture right now is built on the bitter. And uh, dear ones, to be different, you have to be different. You have to choose to follow Jesus. Let me tell you why I call it the gift that keeps on giving. It works two ways. Number one, if anything bad ever happened in your life and brought pain into your life, that was the enemy of your soul ultimately behind it. It wasn't Jesus. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give abundant life. Don't give God credit for what the devil's doing. But let me tell you how this works. If he does something bad to you, and I, I know, I know, I know. I get rough emails when I talk like this. I know bad things have happened to people, but listen to me. That was Satan wanting to destroy you and bring that pain in your life. If you let him use memory to bring it up again, he gets to do it to you all over again. That's why it's called the gift that keeps on giving, good and bad. But if God does something good for you in your life and blesses you with a family and you get to sit around at Christmas and enjoy a nice house and open gifts with one another, or you get to sit and enjoy meals with your family, or you get to love on each other, God's been good to you. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. That's why I'm a picture freak. And if you take a picture of it, and you look at it later, you get to enjoy it again. That's why it's called the gift. Of, I'm a picture freak. I love to take pictures. I was in Okeechobee the week before last fishing. It really was just a photo shoot. And I, I, I photo more than I fish now. I mean, my... I'm, I'm not a, I am not ai don't frame it. It's upside down usually. But the point is I can look back at that later and, and remember the goodness of God to me there. Remember what He's done for me. I carry my phone all the time. And The other day I <laughs> was in this place and restaurant and it just kept ringing. I never even looked at it. Never answered. And the fellow said, why do you carry a phone if you're not going to answer it? I said, that? It's not a phone. That's a camera. <laughs> Only a fool would answer that thing every time it rings. <laughs> you wouldn't have a life. I said, that's a camera. Take it everywhere I go. That's one of the tools that God gives you to record his kindness so you can remember the goodness he's shown you. And listen, you get to write your own check on this thing both ways. Let it be the gift that keeps blessing you. I can get around people and I can smell. Somebody should write a song. It should go like this. Precious memories, how they linger. Let them. Bitter memories, get them out of Dodge. You with me? Lord Jesus, we love you today. Thank you so much. Your word is a a recollection of the kindness of God to us. For that, we give you thanksgiving and praise. I want to thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, give us grace to turn our attention away from that, which is defiled, unholy, angry, bitter. And as your word says, if it's true, if it's beautiful, If it's inspiring, if it's encouraging, if it's faith building, if it's exciting, focus on these things and meditate on them and the God of peace will be with you. You who told me to think on the beautiful, the inspiring, the encouraging would never lead me to think on the profane and the painful. Father, it's the little change that makes all the difference in the world. I just pray for every person in this room and I, I pray, I know people in this room have suffered in the past. I know they've hurt themselves. I thank you and praise you that with Jesus, you can always stand up and start over, no matter what. I want to praise you and thank you that you will never forget anything I've ever done to show kindness to anybody. Your great memory holds every one of those deeds. Your word said one day I'll reward you, even if you gave a drink to somebody who's thirsty, I'll reward you for that. And I want to praise you for the cross of Jesus because it's at the cross where every sin I ever committed was buried forever and will never be remembered again. What a God we serve. What a Father we have. How good you are. Free us from the painful past that's destroying so many today to live a life that blooms. We give you the praise and glory. Lord Jesus, anybody listening online, anybody in this room that's never got in line and said, I want to follow Jesus. A man that good is worth giving my life to. I pray you draw him to yourself right now. Friend, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, let's do it right now. He created you, He loves you. He's, he's the author of life, everything good. Turn from your sins, turn toward Jesus, and follow Him the rest of your life. He will do you good. Right there where you're at, wherever you are, pray this with me. Just pray it like a child from a tender heart. Dear Jesus, I believe you're real. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me and care about me. I believe you're coming back to this earth one day because the Bible says so. I want to be yours. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. I ask you to forgive me all of my sins. I I turn from them. They've never helped me. They hurt other people. On this day I turn. I make you the Lord and the Savior and the love of my life from this day forward. I want to follow you, Jesus. Teach me how to do that. I don't know what it all means, but I want to sign up and I trust you to get me there. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that on this day I receive you as my Savior, and I settle it, settle it forever, that I now belong to you. I give you the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. If you prayed that minute, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Put all those down. I just give you the praise and glory, Jesus. Thank you that you're still working in the earth to draw people to yourself and love them and bless them. Thank you for your great kindness to us. Let Jesus be praised and glorified for everything he's done and the new thing that he's going to do in every life in here. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.